Hey, Tribe. It is your friendly neighborhood Google Teacher Tribe editor, Chris Nessie. Just wanted to, at the start of this episode, let you know how much Matt and Casey, and myself included, appreciate the fact that you listen to and enjoy the Google Teacher Tribe podcast and come back week after week. Episode 46 is a fantastic episode where, of course, Matt and Casey are sharing a lot of fantastic Googly tips and tricks and insight into the world of Google and education. But please do us a favor if you have a moment. Check out hashtag tripod on Twitter. That's T R Y P O D. And all this month, and really anytime, check this hashtag and share Google Teacher Tribe using the hashtag tripod because tripod is all about sharing and discovering great podcasts that you enjoy. So you're listening to this, you enjoy it, share it, use hashtag tripod. And maybe, well, I can almost guarantee, checking out the hashtag, you'll discover another great podcast to check out. Thanks, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. Here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Hey there, tribe. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get a little bit of this spring fever kind of feeling here. So I am, I'm done with the cold weather. How about you, Matt? <laughs> It's been a roller coaster of a spring up here or of a winter up here in Indiana, and I am I'm over it. I would be pretty happy if I didn't see another snowflake for the whole rest of the season. For sure. I, I, I probably would would die if I was up there with you, but I'll just complain about <laughs> being ready for the beautiful spring weather. We're getting a taste of it down here in Texas here every day or so, but everybody's on the countdown to spring break right now. It, everybody, I bet listening probably is even like marking down you know, on the calendar, how many days until until they get a little bit of freedom, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And there's no shame in that, I say. No, not at all. You deserve a break. And this time of year is so hard, especially with all of the the testing and everybody's gearing up for for all of these big things that happen in the spring. And it just it's going to be, you know, nonstop after you get back. And I know everybody kind of does spring break at different times. So that this this conversation could keep going for for a long time. But we hope all of you are, who are listening are, are ready to embark on on new adventures and that you keep doing doing all the amazing things that you're doing, no matter what time of year it is. But we also hope that everybody is warm and safe, no matter where you are. And that, uh, you know, even those in the other countries who may be listening and you're you're you may be down under even and and looking forward to that fall (laughs) instead of spring. But, you know, that's what I love about the season. So, Mm -hmm. Matt, let's stop talking about the weather. What's in this episode? (laughs) Yeah, today we're going to talk about how to keep up with all things Google. We're calling this your G Suite helpline. 
And we know that it's tough to keep up with all of the changes, but also to to get really good ideas. You know, the tribe is also, of course, a, a great place to to be able to get new ideas. But it doesn't have to be limited to that. To that, there are tons of places that you can get ideas. Um, lots of people that can help you out. And so we want to kind of give you some some ideas on how to do that. Of course, we have some news and updates. We have some feedback and shares from the tribe and some blogs to share with you. So you ready to get going, Casey? Let's go. Okay, folks, we've got just a few Google news and updates to share with you today. The first one is for our friends over in the UK. So Google posted on the keyword blog about a special program that was launched over in the United Kingdom and to help teachers empower their students and navigate the online world safely. They launched their Be Internet Legends and Be Internet Citizens educational programs. And Google is actually going out and visiting primary and secondary schools across the UK and training young people face-to-face through assemblies and workshops. And their aim is to reach 1 million. So they've got free free resources and training here for you. And this looks to me essentially like the the UK version of the Be Internet Awesome program, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Although yeah. Matt and I decided we'd rather be legends. Yes. So. <laughs> That's so cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So great program coming to the UK. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next one we want to tell you about has to do with search. And, you know, sometimes when you search for certain things... Uh, someone may type in a search query that means one thing and to somebody else, it might mean a completely different thing. Like the example that it gives on the blog post here is it says garden needs full sun. Well, that could be somebody asking, you know, what garden plants need full sun. And then someone else might ask, well, what counts as full sun? And so because some of those um, queries are a little bit more nuanced, they're going to start creating these things that they call multi-intent queries. And basically what it's going to do is whenever you ask a question of Google, sometimes it will give you some example questions that it can answer real quick. So it'll give you, uh, it'll, it'll sort of help you interpret what your question is really meaning a little bit better. So you might keep an eye out for that in Google search. And I love the fact that they're always making it easier for us to find the information that we're searching for quickly. And this seems like a good step in that direction. Yes. you Do you remember the days when you had to do a Boolean search? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not even necessary uh, anymore. I mean, those are still good search skills, but the search engines have become so good that you don't have to be as good anymore yeah. at oh. your searches. And do and you remember back in the day when you had to ask Jeeves and it was revolutionary <laughs> because you could ask the internet a question? Oh, yes. I do remember the ask Jeeves days. Yes. Okay. Now I'm feeling old, Jimmy yeah. Matt. Thanks we'll for that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The next thing is something that actually I can't stop looking at because the picture they have on the blog is so cute. But Adorable. Back- 
Back in October, Google announced um, some hardware that was coming out. And one of those things was called Google Clips. And it's a lightweight, hands-free camera that uses on-device machine learning to help you capture beautiful and spontaneous moments. And so it's it's a smart camera, which I find very interesting and, and really kind of want to get my hands on one of these. They are $249 from the Google Store. But the picture, as I said, like I can't stop staring. It's it's clipped on. The camera is clipped on to like a little shopping cart kind of toy is what it looks like to me. Like the little little kid is like rolling this toy around yeah. and she or he is so stinking adorable. I'm going to buy this thing just because of the picture. <laughs> that, uh, I love that. But, you know, cameras are everywhere. We can use them in so many ways. So I'm also interested to see how this can help us capture things in the classroom. I think even though it's sort of focused just on this quick little tip here and how it's going to capture family moments, but hey, let's capture that learning with some of these these awesome devices as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll be really interested to see how teachers start using this in their classroom if they start using it. Um, and then the last one we wanted to tell you about, this is sort of a, just a feel-good type of thing to some extent. Um, and it has to do with Google.org. If you're not familiar, this is kind of like, um, Google's philanthropic side, kind of like their foundation of sorts. And they've partnered with this thing called StoryWeaver. And what they say is that more than 40% of the world's children don't have access to education materials in a language that they can understand. So to help with that, they've connected with this organization called Pratham Books and has given them a bunch of money to grow this platform that's called StoryWeaver which basically creates these it, – it uses these offline tools um, to make it easier for students to read and learn. And so people have been adding stories, creating stories, translating stories into their own language. And so this is one of those neat things where it's it's just fascinating to see how some of the technology that we have is making really important things like literacy and education accessible to more people that don't have it. So uh, good stuff. And it also says in this post, it says if you have 15 minutes to spare, you can um, celebrate this by either translating a story or creating your own story. And you can go right into Story Weaver and either translate something or create it yourself. So if you want to get in on the action, you totally can. So in today's featured content, we're going to be talking about your G Suite helpline. And I, I would imagine that Casey will probably agree with me on this, that uh, it seems like whenever uh, we go do presentations or even doing the podcast here, reminds me a lot of that old saying, you know, the saying that goes, if you give someone a fish, it feeds them for a day. But if you teach someone how to fish, then it feeds them for a lifetime. Sometimes whenever I present or even with the podcast here, sometimes it feels like we're handing out a lot of fish. And instead of doing that, we thought that we would take a moment to kind of show all of you some of the places that we get inspiration and we get ideas so that you're not just counting on us to do it. I know if you're listening to this, there's probably a good chance that that you're connected in some other way to getting some new ideas. But being able to get tied into people and, 
you know, communities that inspire you and give you new ideas can can really be sort of the lifeblood to doing some cool things in the classroom. And so Casey and I wanted to uh, share some of the things that we like to use to keep up on all of that. And one of the first things we wanted to touch on had to do with uh, hashtags. And I know with Twitter, there's a lot of teachers that use Twitter these days to keep up with, you know, what's going on in education and get connected to other teachers and everything. And there's a bunch of good Twitter hashtags. And of course, one of the ones that that, that works very well with this podcast is the GT Tribe hashtag. And I know uh, Casey and I have talked multiple times about how we get inspiration from all of you. And then we share things that inspire us too on that uh, GT Tribe hashtag. And so that's w- definitely one place that you can go on Twitter that can get you tied into new ideas. I have put several links in today's show notes uh, at googleteachertribe.com slash 46. And I actually had a blog series kind of on this idea, the guide to keeping up with Google. I will go ahead and tell you before somebody else decides they need to tell me, they need <laughs> to be updated. <laughs> so they 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 are a little out of date. Yeah, trust me, it's on my list of a million things that need to be That's updated. Okay. But I, think that, okay. I think there's still some good use yes. out of of these. So, um, and one of those, you know, back to the hashtag idea here was I, I did part one is called the hashtag dictionary and basically just breaking down a lot of the various hashtags that we use that are Google related. So the first thing you'll notice on the post is it was back in the Google apps for education day where we had our G A F E or Gaffy or Gaffe, which was always my favorite. Gaffe. Gaffe. Um, some people still use that too. In fact, so, you know, occasionally I, I will see it or even use it myself. So, but typically now we are using the hashtag G suite edu uh, which is a little bit longer but we have more characters now on twitter so a lot of the hashtags have changed just because of the the gaffy piece of it but there are so many out there of course you can hashtag pretty much any of the apps but when you do that know that that's actually going to connect you to people across the globe who are using these these applications in and outside of education as well to go along with the Google EDU, I know some people will also use the hashtag G Suite EDU. So I think any of those would totally work. So those are those are some good ones. Um, I know I'm generally sharing and some other people are generally sharing some things on the Ditch Book hashtag as well. Um, but of course, I don't want to just <laughs> share the ones that are tied to us. There are tons of them out there where where you can get really good ideas. So I'd say, you know, going to Twitter and checking out some of these hashtags is really, really useful. And then once you're there, there's a handful of things that you can do. Um, I've always found whenever I find a really, really good hashtag, that's a good place to start following new people on Twitter. So if they're sharing the kinds of things that are useful to you, then following them is a good way to keep up with even more of those ideas. And then, of course, sharing some of the things that you find on those um, on those Twitter hashtags by retweeting and uh, and the sort is is always really useful, too. So Twitter is definitely, definitely a good treasure trove of ideas for keeping up with G Suite. And all of the various Google accounts that actually exist on Twitter as well. So not only the Google for EDU account, but it's also handy to follow, 
you know, just at Google, at Google Docs, at Google Drive. Now, you don't always find a, a Twitter account for every little Googly thing that you love. But if you go check, you will find there are a lot of official Google Twitter accounts that that you can follow and stay up to date, you know, with, you know, if you're a big YouTuber, you know, stay up to date with what's going on with YouTube or Android or whatever it is that that interests you or the devices that you're using. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's some even unofficial Twitter accounts, too, that can be very useful. One of my favorite ones is it's called G Suite EDU Help. And so at that's at G Suite EDU Help on Twitter. Um, and so this is an account. It says in its bio, we're a group of G Suite EDU using educators teaming up to help answer any related questions. Tweet us your questions, and then you can use the G Suite EDU hashtag as well, um, which is kind of the the more traditional hashtag, but they're always kind of checking that out and looking for any questions that people have. And it's basically made up of these eight educators from all over the United States that are interested in helping people out. So you can go to the official ones, I found that sometimes trying to tweet to some of the official Google Twitter accounts, like the official Google for Education one, you don't generally get personal responses. But if you went to something like the G Suite EDU one, a lot of times they do give you something personal. So, you know, there's there's positives and, and negatives on both of those. It's difficult when, and especially with such a large following, but it is, it's definitely another way to, to stay up to date on what's going on with Google. Now, Matt, who are your favorite people to follow who keep up with Google? Don't make me do this. This is like picking from your children, you know? Oh, no. It's okay, folks. We can't mention everyone. <laughs> we can't mention everyone. And my list would probably change depending on the day. So, um, oh, goodness. Um, do you follow me? We'll just we'll just make it easy. Do you have a Twitter account? I, I think I do. Where <laughs> I, I, I hear a lot whenever I talk to teachers, they say, I think I have a Twitter account, but I don't know what the password is. So maybe that's you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's me. I forgot it a long time ago. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. No, um, but but both of us do regularly share. I know I try to to push out all of the uh, updates on my account as well. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, probably someone who is number one on a lot of googly lists would be our friend Alice Keeler. Right. And, and Alice, of course, is particularly great with Google Classroom, but she has many other googly skills and is the spreadsheet queen. So she's always sharing tips and tricks and updates and things like that. So so Alice is definitely someone to follow if you're not already following mm-hmm. her. It is just at Alice Keeler, K-E-E-L-E-R. Definitely. Another one that I know is a favorite of many of the listeners of the tribe is Eric Kurtz. Um, Eric puts out just tons of great blog posts and shares lots of really, really good um tidbits on his Twitter account. So you can find him at Eric Kurtz. That's E-R-I-C-C-U-R-T-S, all one word. Now, you know, there are a few other things that have been interesting over the last few years, and especially since uh, the last time I I did this little guide to keeping up with Google, is sort of the shift in the way people have been using Google+. Uh, Have you you picked up on that? 
Not totally. No, I'm interested to see what you have to say about this. Well, I so so part part three in here was who and what to follow on Google Plus, and then part four was about Google Plus communities. But you know, I don't know about everybody else, but I sort of have a love hate relationship with Google Plus. It yeah. just um, there's some things that that is the only place where I get certain information from groups that I belong to, but at the same time, it has become super spammy. And I, I've had to block some users and and keep people out of groups and things like that. And I feel like a lot of people have just completely dropped off. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I've it's been this sort of the same way with me. Um, <laughs> I saw somebody uh, make a there. There's a post. It's in an image, and it talks about the different social media. Um, in fact, this one that I saw relates all social media to bacon. Like um, Instagram would be described as I take pictures of bacon. Um, Twitter might be, you know, I talk about bacon in 280 characters or less. And then um, the the one for Google Plus was people who work at Google who eat bacon. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> because there's there's kind of a, a joke going about Google Plus that it's it's made up primarily of people who work at Google. So it's it's kind of got that knock on it too. But I know I know there are some educators that rely on it pretty heavily and will use it for different things. Yes. And you know, I I and I've seen that analogy done with coffee and a few other oh, yes. things as oh, yeah. well. But yeah, the joke is always that they work at Google. But they, we had sort of transitioned away from that. But now I feel like something has just shifted and that, I don't know, I'm a little bit worried about it. But I will tell you, there are a few things you should know that you can only get on Google+. And the first one is to find a Google Educator group. So uh, if you didn't know about the Google Educator groups, these these are sort of Google-sanctioned Google Plus communities where you can connect with other educators, Google-using educators in your area. So I'm a co-leader of the North Texas Google Educator group because Texas is huge and we have like six different groups here. But that's sort of where I've noticed some of the issues is is people who, you know, have, have stopped using it so much. But it is a great way to to drop in a question. You know, you're like, hey, we're using Chromebooks and we're facing this issue or we want to do this, those types of questions. So I encourage people to, to go find that. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to help you go find um, the the available Google Educator groups. And I can tell you in North Texas, ours is open and you can come join us even if you don't live in Texas or even in North Texas and and come share. We, you, we're, we're very friendly in, in North Texas. So come join our group. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are definitely really useful. And the fact that you get to connect with people in your local area that are doing the same kinds of things is really nice because, um, you know, so often these digital communities can be for, for better, for worse. And a lot of times it's for better. You get people from all over the country and all over the world, but then sometimes it's nice to kind of tighten it down to people that are just in your local area. So having those Google educator groups is a really, really nice thing. Another place that I wanted to touch on just really briefly to find ideas is to use Voxer. And I know that Voxer is, it's its not really my cup of tea so much, but some educators just totally swear by it. Basically what Voxer is, is it's kind of like a digital walkie-talkie. And it lets you, um, it basically lets you record these uh, audio messages 
And then you kind of swap them back and forth and you can listen to them right there in the moment or you can listen to them later. And so it does give you the the new dynamic of hearing a person's voice, which is really neat. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the best places I think that you can go to find a good Voxer group, including some Google related ones, is to go to edumatch.org, edumatch.org, which is an organization that's kind of headed up by Sarah Thomas, um, one of my one of my favorite people on this entire planet. And she um, and others on the EduMatch website have put together uh, some databases of some Voxer groups that you can join if you want to talk like voice to voice with some folks. So that's another place that you can get connected to. And that's great. And I, I totally am with you. I know a lot of people who just love Voxer. They use it all the time. Yeah. It drives me bonkers. <laughs> I finally had to like, I deleted the app. So if you've tried to Vox me and you're wondering where I went, I'm off of Voxer just because it, it just, for me personally, it was not my favorite. It was just always going off and I couldn't keep up. So that's why I love the fact that we have so many different mediums so we can find what works for us in terms of, you know, not just keeping up, but how we want to communicate the blogs that you follow, the podcasts that you follow. Haha, here we are. Yay. Uh, for the Google Teacher Tribe, we're glad you're listening to us. But there's so much out there. And honestly, we would probably hurt somebody's feelings if we if we really tried to go through this. But I do want to mention, and it's been mentioned several times, is the keyword blog from Google. So, you know, not too long ago, Google really tried to centralize all of their blogs because they had a blog for every application out there. And so if you're trying to keep up with everything, it was really hard. So this aggregates all of those blogs into one, what I call the one blog to rule them all. And so you can get all of the topics or you can go filter. So before Matt and I record an episode, we go check the blog and we see what's going on kind of everywhere. And then we go look at the topic. Hey, what's going on in education so that you can really connect back and find out what what's going on with Google. And I will tell you, that might be the the number one spot to just go and sort of absorb what's going on with Google. So if you're looking for ideas on how to continue to up your game on uh, using G Suite in the classroom, we've got all of these places, these these little individual helplines, so to speak. And we didn't even touch on all of them that we could have. Uh, we've even got some links to a few others that we didn't include here in the show. So feel free to head over to googleteachertribe.com slash 46 to check out the rest of them. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. It's mailbag time. Matt and I love going through the mailbag. It's always a lot of fun to see what's going on with the tribe. So our first share here coming to us from Allison Gherkin. And so Allison says, hi, Matt and Casey. 
I taught my class how to do book snaps the week before your podcast came out. Yes, we had have mentioned the uh, fabulous work of Tara Martin and book snaps on the podcast. And she wanted to share what she did with her students. It kind of took it to a new level. So she has students posting their book snaps to Seesaw which allows them to see what each other is posting and it lets the parents see it as well. So they're also sharing them on Twitter and they are tagging some authors on there. And at this point in time, when she posted this, they hadn't received any replies, but they're still very excited about the possibility that they could hear from an actual (laughs) author. Yes. Hashtag super excited, but She was really, you know, just having fun with this and wanted to share it. Said it has provided my students with an authentic audience and given them a purpose to think about the text. And and that is so powerful and something that I am just a big believer in. It's giving students a public and authentic audience because we have it at our fingertips and to hide the learning is just it's just not right. fair. <laughs> we we need to be sharing the learning and we need to be connecting them. Even if they don't always respond, that's okay. The kids know it's a possibility. And so what a great share. Thank you uh, for that, Allison. Uh, so the next one we want to share comes from Kathleen Mathis from Annandale, Virginia. And so she says... She's just recently started listening to the podcast and she's hooked and she wants to offer two ideas that tie into the bell ringer tips that we had in episode 43, all about starting your day or starting your class with some Google tools. And she says, now that my school is one to one, I have my students do warm ups in an interactive journal using Google Slides. Very cool. It used to take me forever to grade their paper journals and I always dreaded it until this year. I now collect the online journals once a quarter, and I use the Doctopus add-on with a Gubrick to grade them. Now, if that all just sounded like a foreign language to you, uh, Doctopus is this add-on that you can use with Google Docs, where it basically distributes out these documents to the students, and then you're able to track changes to it and have access to it, and everything is pretty nice. And then Gubrick is also another tool that you can use to attach a rubric to what you're doing in Doctopus. So anyway, feel free to um, to kind of Google any of those terms to find more information out about either of those. But she says, this has saved me a ton of time and increased how much feedback I'm able to give students. Win-win. And then she's also used their bell ringer and warm-up journals to review vocabulary words. She randomly assigns students a vocabulary word and asks them to find an image that show the word's meaning. And then she puts their slides or the students put their slides in presentation mode and do a gallery walk. So then they're able to walk around, look at each other's screens, which is pretty cool. They write down the vocabulary word they think is being depicted, uh, put it on a sticky note next to the laptop. Then when the kids return to their seats, they get to see if they have sufficiently showed the assigned words meaning. And it gets them up and moving. So I thought those were two really cool uh, bell ringer activities, warm up activities you can do using different Google tools. Our next share is a speak pipe, a, a voice message from Tyler Osborne, who is from Canada. And he has some really cool, quick tips and keyboard shortcuts that I think you're going to love. So take it away, Tyler. Hi, Jimmy, Matt and Casey. My name is Tyler Osborne, and uh, my Twitter handle is at Mr. T. Osborne. I just wanted to respond to the user question from episode 44 about how to 
uh, put a slide all the way down to the bottom of a slide deck in Google Slides. Um, the easiest way to actually do it uh, is to right-click on the slide, go to Move Slide to End um, as the option. Then there's also a convenient shortcut for uh, Matt, who loves, key- loves keyboard shortcuts, and that's on a Mac, Command-Shift-Down, and on a Windows computer, it's Control-Shift-Down. Um, so that would work too. Um, anyways, uh, if you like these tips and you want more, my website is 21centlearning.ca, and keep up the great work. Thanks. So I, I love the fact that he made that connection back to a, a previous episode when we were talking about the difficulties with moving slides around, like when you have a big slide deck and you're trying to get something way down. So I love the fact that he gave us that shortcut. And Matt, I know you're a big fan of those keyboard oh, yes. shortcuts. Oh. Those those are great. You know, I, I can't seem to keep them all in my head at the same time, but I'm trying. I'm building, slowly building my keyboard shortcut skills. So thank you for those tips, Tyler. Yes, absolutely. And then the last one we wanted to share comes from Noah Geisel, who is a great educator, a friend of mine from Colorado, former foreign language teacher of the year in the United States. And he shared a recommendation for a Chrome extension. And this one's called the library Chrome extension. I thought this was such a novel idea. Because sometimes we go online to see if we could buy a book from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever we get our books. The library Chrome extension lets you know if a book is available at the library to go check out. And so... Basically, as you browse your books and ebooks on on websites like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and so on, the extension will check the online catalog of your local library and see if the book you're interested in happens to be available at your local library. Pretty fascinating, right? It has a database of 4,000 local libraries and library systems. So you can save yourself a little bit of money by checking out that book using this Chrome extension and finding it at your local library. I love that. There are so many reasons why we should be making better uses of our libraries and not stacking up the Amazon boxes like I do. So um, that's a that's a great little Chrome extension to check out. So be sure that you go to our show notes to get links to all of the fabulous shares from this episode at googleteachertribe.com slash 46. So let's go to the blogs. Casey and I have a couple of things to share with you. And the one that I wanted to start out with, this is a post that I did a while back. I mean, like a couple of years ago. um, And I called it the 30-Day Pirate Challenge. And it's inspired by the book Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess, one of my absolute favorite books. And what I decided I would do... um, is I was going to take a an engagement hook from the book Teach Like a Pirate, which has all of these ideas for getting kids engaged in your lessons. And I was going to take a, a, a hook from the engagement hooks in Teach Like a Pirate, and I was going to use one every day for 30 days in my classroom and see what it was like. And so I did that a while back and posted about it. Well, just recently... Um, a teacher named Kim Snodgrass found this post and decided she was going to do it too. And she has been posting her journey through the 30-Day Pirate Challenge and has been putting up little videos and images of the things that she's doing. And so I share this not so much for the post that I did way back, but 
to see Kim's t- take and twist on this too. So I've got a link to a, basically if you click on it, it'll take you to Twitter and it will show you a lot of the lessons that she's been putting up that has been using those pirate hooks. And some of them do have good Google connections, some of them not so much, but it is all very interesting stuff that she's been posting. That's awesome. I love to issue a little bit of a challenge-based learning activity with with teachers. And of course, we are big pirate fans over here Mm -hmm. at the Google Teacher Tribe. So I have an updated post that uh, has been probably one of the most popular posts ever on ShakeUp Learning, but it is really just a curation of Google Classroom tips and resources. So I am up to over 350 pins on my Pinterest board that's all embedded on this page. So you can go check that out. And I try to keep this as clean as possible. So this truly is 350 and not like 20 things repeated over and over again, that these are tips not not just for myself, but from other bloggers, from the Google blog, from all kinds of places and just to help everybody learn how to use Google Classroom and and figure out those best practices and find all those little tips and tricks. Okay, Tribe, that wraps up this episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. We hope that you're walking away with a few extra fishing poles (laughs) in your pocket so that you can go find the best resources for your classroom and help, you know, find ways to keep up with the things that matter to you. Because honestly, we, we can't keep up with everything. You got to pick and choose what's your favorite because there's just so much out there. So, but we hope that um, you will take these and share these, pass it on. And thank you so much for the, sharing all of your tips and tricks with the tribe. And please continue to do so. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you.